Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We, uh, the whole hockey world has Brad to thank because his um, whining last episode about not wanting to talk about Jack Eichel is what I think shook loose all the Jack Eichel stuff. So you're the one, Brad, who moved it to the proverbial one-yard line for Vegas and Calgary. So Flames and Golden Knights fans can thank Brad Crisco. Brad, you've always been one to, to want to take your credit, so take a bow, buddy. Now we get to talk about Jack Eichel for real today. Kevin Adams is a personal friend of mine, and he owed me several favors, so you're all welcome. For what? If it's I best could, to not ask questions, Ryan. If I could think of anyone in the NHL who moved through life not owing anyone a favor, it's Kevin Adams. Like, just the most unassuming person where I'm like, yeah, nothing happened to him. <laughs> it's like that John Mulaney bit where it's like he just sat in a room for the first 25 years of his life or whatever it was. I've definitely heard and seen that one. Oh, man. You'd like it. You would like it. Have you watched John Mulaney's? No. Yeah. I'm not a big... Is it a TV show? Oh, clearly I haven't watched it. Stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah, definitely. I have to be in a very particular mood to watch it on TV. Yeah, well, I watched stand-up comedy when you two put on the act that you did last episode. Actually, mostly just you. (laughs) I made Mel watch that. I was like, watch what? what? The first 10 minutes of last oh, episode. Okay. I should have made Crystal watch that. I've had way less sugar today, <laughs> mostly thanks to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not yeah. quite at that same level. I haven't got a Diet Coke from my fridge today. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. I promised everyone that <laughs> the, the intros wouldn't be so heinously off track and i think in good faith what we have to do is cut this one short and just get right to the chase so without further ado here to talk red wings hockey and hockey around the nhl like jack eichel i'm ryan hannah i want to talk more about evan's diet coke first nope absolutely not all right i'm brad crisco and i'm evan (laughs) evan uh evan who puts up with a surprising amount although we put up with a surprising amount of evan but he does deal with my neuroses to the point where i told him he has to move his diet coke off the table because it was crackling near the mic (laughs) look the moment you start i have no no power in this conversation so i'm willing to adhere to that rule evan's well versed in knowing where to to seed ground and where to put up a fight yeah for example he has his 10th last golf tournament of the year this Sunday. Yeah, I'm very sad. It's <laughs> the end. I once golfed on like October 3rd and it was the most miserable experience of my life. I'm never doing anything like that ever again. I think I played until almost the end of November last year. Sick. I remember because it got hot randomly in November. Like the week after our, you had our closing tournament, it was like 15 degrees and everyone force them to open the club back up God, insane uh on this episode of the winged wheel podcast we are going to be talking about the unfortunately uh, a game against the montreal canadians where the scoreline wasn't as bad as the last time that they were in montreal but the on ice product was you know the same uh we'll be talking a little bit about uh, some things red wings and we have a very fun uh interview that uh we did with or i did i, I guess with um daniela bruce uh, who you'll know from the word on Woodward and her various roles with the Red Wings and the Tigers. Um, and then we will get into some happenings around the NHL, like Jack Eichel. Um, I mean, I don't know how much there is to be said about it, but the whole Chicago saga where we're just hearing lawyers speak at this point, and it's, you want to rip your hair out. 
Uh, yeah, looks well, like Batman. Do you want did. to do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. I teed that up. I did love. You know what? I let that out, and Brad was already prepping his next words, and I was like, "Okay, I'm safe." Yeah. <laughs> I took a hook from the right. I'm sorry. I, don't be say. Don't be sorry. I'll remember this at Christmas. Okay. Um. First and foremost, the Jamie Daniels Foundation, we talk to you about them every episode for good reason, and they're doing something very exciting right now. Uh, they're preparing for the celebrity roast of Brett Hull, which is happening on November 22nd, and part of that is a silent auction that's currently going on. Um, the stuff on there is incredible, and uh, Ken's been ta- talking to us about it for a long time. I'm just on the sports category right now. They have a signed Brett Hall jersey, uh, Gordie Howe package, which includes signed stick, puck. There's a uh, frame photograph, a banner. There's a production line picture. Um, there's a signed Joe Thornton jersey, which I think is awesome. So if you know someone in your life who cheers for the, the wrong team, um, it's a signed Joe Thornton Leafs jersey. There's a ton of cool stuff. Did you see the Tampa Bay hat? The Kucherov signed a Tampa Bay lightning stanley cup champions hat and he wrote uh like 18 mil over the cap or whatever it was yes i i want that more than any red wings stuff i think never i You're, couldn't do it it's unique that's for sure yeah it, except he signed that on a few drunken hey, bar patrons he <laughs> he did it for a good cause uh i think what we should do brad you and i go in on the signed zach Wierenski stick and make evan pronounce zach Wierenski every episode my tongue does not do those letters together. Wait, Wierenski's not... Wierenski? Yeah, that's, say, that's not hard. Make him say it on, like in pace, though, mid-sentence. Oh, my God, you... it's brutal. It's we amazing. Get, we got to get him to say Kirill the Thrill, his last name. Kaprizov? Nope, wrong one. The Detroit one. Tutiev? <laughs> yeah, there you oh, go. Tutiev, yeah. Ah, close enough. No, but Wierenski is like, if Wierenski. Evan's in the flow of it... If I'm saying a full sentence and I have to insert... Warensky? Yeah. <laughs> There's the pause. And I'm screwed. <laughs> I've actually had to stop laughing at it because I feel really mean because I can see you like working it's through it. It's just one of those words names that I will never be able to say. <laughs> words names. I hate when people have words for names. Yes. Um, okay. So check that out. If you go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org, they will link to information about the um, about the celebrity roast. They will link to the virtual um silent auction all of that stuff so make sure you tune into the celebrity roast of course we'll be talking about that uh, monday november 22nd 8 p.m one other little bit of housekeeping this has been uh asked for for a long time (laughs) I i said it would happen over the summer it didn't happen over the summer things got a little crazy but finally took care of it wingedwheelpodcast.com if you go to the shop page on the top bar um all of our merch has been updated we finally sorted out bugs on the actual website, um, issues with shipping, uh, payment, all that. It's all sorted. We have added some, uh, added and updated some really cool merch and by popular request, winged wheel podcast hats. We have trucker caps. We have snapbacks. We have, uh, dad hats or baseball hats. We have a mix between those things. I think we have a trucker snapback. Um, do we have bucket hats? We have a bucket hat. Yes. Hell yeah. Yep. Uh, bucket hats turned out great. My brother got one. It looks awesome. Um, we have actually the low-key favorite of mine is the embroidered sweatpants. I wasn't sure how they turn out. Mel stole them from me immediately. <laughs> right away. 
They are incredibly comfortable. Anyways, wingedwheelpodcast.com. Go to the shop page on the top bar and check out There's everything. socks, too. There are socks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love Evan just discovering the stuff that, that goes on there. And you can also get um, different size stickers. I think there's uh, phone. Oh, there are, there are phone cases for all iPhone, all Samsung phones. Um, the whole bit. There's a lot. I do of need of a stuff. new phone case. You do need a new it phone case. It is pathetic how bad this case is. It- okay. Let me see it. Well, I'll show you it. Oh my god, Evan! That's not- <laughs> that's my phone case. <laughs> that's not protecting anything. No, it's that not. literally fell apart like a cartoon. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, sponsored by the Winged Wheel Podcast. <laughs> we write, we actually charge ourselves quite a bit for that. The market said we're high. rich and poor. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings. They played in Montreal on Tuesday, November second, and within two minutes, uh, Alex Nedeljkovic saw, I think, a rough total of 1,000 shots on goal. And I thought, wow, that's a rough first two minutes. They have to really pull it together for the rest of the game. They did not. Here's a game where Dylan Larkin was out, like, not playing um, for personal reasons, and we don't know um, much about that. So all we can say is hopefully everything is okay with Dylan, um, whatever that might be. We, you know, don't really care to speculate um obviously it was a game in canada what on earth i man? can't get my phone case back on now because it won't stay together it's it's just off now it's, right it's it's our <laughs> shop's fault that this has happened <laughs> and i have to buy one of our phone cases you look exactly like miko when i she does something she knows is wrong, and me and Crystal just look at her at the exact same time. Like, I'm trying my best to be quiet, and it's can I not. See it? I genuinely want to see. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay, firm but fair. <laughs> oh, God. A little treat for the YouTube viewers. That one. <laughs> so- and you thought the last episode went off the rails. <laughs> I'm actually shocked that you handed that to me. I knew that was going to happen, but like I said. Never thought I'd see the day where a a phone case would be yeeted across this room. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the the, the tone of that game was Larkin or Bertuzzi both missing. Obviously, that's a game in Canada. um, So Bert wasn't there. That's two thirds of the one of the best first lines in the NHL. And. That game, all I could think of was the whole time was this is a perfect summary of what Brad was talking about last podcast. Um, actually, for a couple episodes now, the Red Wings top end at whatever position, pretty good. Not best in the league, but not worst in the league. They can hang with average at, on like an average day. And sometimes they're better than that. Like Bertuzzi, uh, Larkin, Raymond is a top 10 line in the league. First, According to some metrics, top five. Yeah. But where they lose is everything beneath. And when you strip away one of the best first lines in the NHL, and you have to mix in that depth, the Red Wings were exposed. Completely and totally exposed. Yep. Um, because when you have a top pairing of Cider and Letty, which is one of the best in the league, and they're not playing together, uh, whatever that top pairing is, is going to get exposed. When you have Michael Rasmussen as your first line center, that line is going to get exposed by anybody, even Arizona. Um it's, it is what it is because, like you said, the Red Wings have one of the top first lines in the entire NHL. Uh, I joked about it last episode, and then I, I forget who posted the graphic. I think it was like expected goals percentage for defensemen, and Mo Sider actually might be in Norris conversation right now. He is so high up that list. Yep. Um, 
when he's paired with a boat anchor, that line will get exposed. And when Nedeljkovic has to face 44 shots, he's inevitably, inevitably going to let in a couple goals. And somehow it was only a couple. So everything below those, well, quite honestly, those three players this game was a dumpster fire. The um, We did see some things. You saw flashes of offense whenever the Michael Rasmussen on the first line. And like, look, the moment that got announced, I was like, he's criticism. Do- criticism. Doomed. Yeah, criticism from Michael Rasmussen this season is is fair in certain respects. And Brad, you and I have very differing opinions on Rasmussen. Not, I shouldn't say we're not opposite ends of the spectrum, but we, spectrum. But we we fight on where to to needle. Um, but the moment we were talking about Michael Rasmussen on the first line, I was like, yeah, doomed. Like, there's he is not making it out of this looking anywhere close to good, um, and that's not his fault. Much like we talked about Glenn Denning and Helm and whatever playing up on the on Larkin's wing in the past, like. They were never going to leave that situation looking good. Rasmussen centering that line. Oh, brother. Like, uh, and there's not much to be done. Uh, you know, we can get mad at Blashill here. Yeah, why not throw Pew Suter up there? Why not stick Fabry at center? Why not uh, try with Joe Valeno? Joe Valeno, you know, didn't have a good game either. Like, not very many Red Wings did, if at all. Alex Ndalkovich is the only one who you can walk away saying, yeah, that guy had a great game. Um just they were screwed from the start and i'm struggling to identify whether this is just the reality of you lose two of your four best players you lost your two best players who can legally drink in michigan then you're gonna look like garbage out there the effort's still not great i think there was too much of that chip and chase hockey but again that goes back to personnel if you have guys who can't enter the zone then it is what it is. Lucas Raymond has been incredible, and I think equally as de- deserving as most cider for Rookie of the Month, which we'll get to, but he's not going to drive the entire line when he's playing with, with Rasmussen as his center. I don't know. Well, it's it's harsh to say, but understanding the context of not only does expectations go up for guys like Rasmussen when he gets moved up to the first line, but his matchup gets harder. He, he's used to playing third and fourth lines, and all of a sudden he's going up against first and uh, Montreal's first line for most of the game. Um, so for Lucas Raymond, it almost feels like he's playing shorthanded. Oh, yeah. And it's it's not meant to be demeaning to Rasmussen, but like that's the reality of it. He can't do 90% of the things Dylan Larkin can do. No. He can't do 90% of the things Tyler Bertuzzi can do. Michael Rasmussen is is – good at exactly two things and none of those two things are super important to Lucas Raymond's game so it wasn't a good chemistry fit it wasn't a good skill fit and then you know went off the rails fast so yeah you know the the best case scenario there was he would tread water Mm -hmm. didn't happen again to be expected whatever Lucas Raymond didn't get hurt or run from behind this game so we'll take it as a small victory there so Larkin wasn't on the ice today for practice for the Bruins tomorrow. At the time of recording this, it's, it's Wednesday night. So it doesn't, we don't know, and it doesn't look likely that he'll be back in. We, we still don't know what's going on there. The good news is, okay, yeah, Bertuzzi can't play in Canada, which, you know, blows and it's sucked. It's been very apparent each time he's been out of the lineup. He's been one of Detroit's best players. They don't have to worry about it 
if I'm seeing this correctly, until the end of February, February 26th against Toronto. Really? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. They're not in Canada until the end of February. So um, that will hopefully give some continuity to that first line. Look, I, I want Larkin to have a good season. I want Bertuzzi to have a good season. I think it's super important for both of them to have really, really strong years. I want that continuity for Lucas Raymond more than anything else. Because it was his 10th game, so he's not going anywhere now. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize until mid-game. We're past that threshold. Um, Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider both officially played their 10th game. So the first year of their entry-level contract is quote-unquote burned, which means it starts, which means they won't uh, slide until next year, which is a strategy some teams use with the rookies so that they don't have to start using very, very cheap years for talented players. Uh, until later on so uh the most obvious thing in the world if you had watched the first nine games but i guess worth noting speaking of rookie accomplishments it's movember mo cider nhl rookie of the month thoughts opinions takes reactions tears was it going to be cole caulfield (laughs) oh my god going for the jugular (laughs) today this guy's ruthless caulfield's going for the calder cup cup (laughs) <laughs> you know everyone i can't be mad at you for for finishing the punch line everyone made that joke <laughs> but yeah no mo cider was rewarded uh for an excellent excellent month i think this could have gone to raymond or or cider and i think had raymond had a a full first line every single game he played he might have been more likely to win it i will bet a lot of money that raymond wins one of those awards by the end of the year as well good chance but when the defenseman is one point behind the forward and spending half that month with danny de kaiser that that's it's more deserving honestly as much as i'm you know love lucas raymond i mean what most siders doing his defensive metrics are elite um they were elite up until he got paired with the kaiser now they're just very good yeah um and then you know you he's quarterbacking the first power play unit he's getting putting up points so he's doing everything and more that the red wings could ask of him and he's doing it better than quite honestly most defensemen in the nhl and i'm i'm not limiting that to rookies like by a lot of advanced stats he is a top 10 defenseman in this league right now it became apparent early on. Like Nick Letty had a couple games where you're like, oh, yeah, this guy is is the real deal on the left side. It's been a while since the Red Wings have had a good defenseman playing there. But, you know, you know what Nick Letty is now. He's not infallible. He's very good, though. I do appreciate what Nick Letty brings to this team. Appreciate it more if it was with Cider. But I actually don't hate the attached Letty and Cider to maybe lift Cider – or uh, sorry, Letty and Heronic to lift Heronic's game a little bit experiment. But still, I would prefer – cider to be playing with someone better much like i want raymond with larkin bertuzzi i want want cider with letty i want cider at this point i will settle for anybody but de kaiser hey uh right-handed defensemen are wanted across the league are we going to be seeing a troy stetcher deal this year if you're not going to play him you should he should be in the lineup it's been stupid the way they've handled him so far but yeah if you're not going to use him he's probably got some value maximize it i don't hate it Gustav Lindstrom is having himself a good year. He's young. Um, Mo Sider and Philip Ronick are obviously going to be on the right side. So if you can get value out of Stetcher and you don't know where he's going to go in free agency, because this is the last year he signed a two-year deal, yeah, might as well deal him. Yeah, And he'll have interest. And being out in LA, because they're looking for a right-handed defenseman, he knows the West Coast. He's from BC. It's not a homecoming for him, but it'll be very nice. And also- LA's okay. Yeah, it's not a bad place. 
if you like gridlock and really good street food. Yep. Just had to give a good and a bad example there. Okay. I've never been to LA, so I'll take your word. I haven't either, but who can deny it? I hear good things. Yeah, I hear a lot of good things. And I saw a picture of LA gridlock today. Um, the, I, I think it's worth noting the, um, the Bally feed. So there is a delay on what we see on Bally Sports, uh, Detroit. And there's, there's usually a small delay and it varies in terms of like the gameplay and the audio. And last night it was an away game and it was a little bit tougher. Um, like it seemed like Ken was calling the game before it was happening. So you would know why, or you would know if like a, a shot went in or whatever it is. And apparently, dig, dug into it a little bit, it has to do with the player tracking system and also the on ice, like the virtual ads. Those are causing like a variable amount of stutter between frames, like the visual frames and the audio. So that's something where on any given night, the crew working has to deal with that. And they have to deal with that sometimes when they're not at home. They're like traveling with their gear and stuff. I don't know the ins and outs of what, you know, any network has to do with. Um, you just heard the dog settle outside the door. She has very strong opinions on the matter. <laughs> she does. Yeah. She sighed loud. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what goes into like setting up a broadcast. It's obviously not a simple thing, but they have to figure out that night basically what the delay is and have to work with it. So. Uh, extremely difficult to do, especially when they're on the road. So that's a little bit of uh, an explanation as to why we see that. So, yeah. I have a solution. Never play on the road. Uh, don't put the ads. Don't do the virtual on ads. On the ads. The virtual ads kill me. <laughs> they're actually so funny. It's like some, it, it, I've talked about it on the show before. It's like <laughs> you're on like a hallucinogen. Like you're, you're like, did that? Good year ad, just tri- follow the player up the ice and trip him. Like I would rather they just put that company's logo like next to the score bug or something. Just yeah, I, w- I would rather that, especially if it, if that would correct the feed. Well, I mean, we're not going to see it go away, right? No, I know, I'm aware, but yeah, it's. I'm shocked that uh, the NHL hasn't figured that out though. The superimposed ads again. I'm talking about a field where I know absolutely nothing technically, like. It's it's a podcast. It's what we do. We talk out our ass. But um, I the the jittery ads, like the ones moving across the ice. I'm like, how it's been, what a season and a half now, they, something like that. They perfected the first down line in the NFL in like 1999. <laughs> There's a there, okay. I watched uh, I watched videos on what goes into that. It's not cheap. It's not cheap, and it's not a little bit of equipment. But again, it's the NHL. That's what America ha- needs, though. America needs that first down line. Okay. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Is the first downline not the epitome of like American extravagance though? I wouldn't know he, what the hell was going on if it wasn't there. Exactly. Have you ever actually watched a football game? Uh, I've watched commercials and then they injected a little bit of football. Okay. <laughs> yeah. First time, like, cause I remember first time I went to a game live, it actually rattled me not having it there. It is absolutely a necessity at this yeah. point. <laughs> Um, we are veering into football, which is making me think about the Lions. So rather than do that, let's do something positive. Uh, we're going to jump to our interview with uh, Daniela Bruce, where we talk about Red Wings hockey and how unfortunately her Michigan State Spartans beat. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, I don't. Know. Yeah, I won't. I won't finish what? that sentence. What are you talking about? I don't know. Anyways, basketball, hockey, yeah. something. Hockey. This interview with Daniela. Enjoy. 
All right, we are joined today for the first time ever, and <laughs> Danielle, I'm so sorry it took so long to plan. We're joined by Daniela Bruce, a digital host and reporter for the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Tigers. Daniela, thank you for your patience, and thank you for joining the show today. Of course, I'm so excited to join. I was thinking maybe you didn't want me on anymore. I'm like, what the heck, it's been months, but no, I'm excited to finally be on. <laughs> yeah, we chatted about it, I think, shortly after last season ended. And uh, the story I'll go with is we knew how exciting it would be with the, this year's team, and that's why we pushed it. So you'd have some more exciting stuff to talk about. Yeah, I was about. Not with the Tigers over the summer anyway, so it's okay. I forget. Right, right, right. Um, I will say I feel slightly less bad because you are a state fan, and you get to lord this over my head now because, unfortunately, we're both that's Michigan. right. I yeah, will say so. this, though. I've been um, a lot. Art Regner is a huge Michigan fan. Obviously, he went to Michigan, and I told him, I'm like, Obviously, I'm very happy state one, and I think they are the better team because that's my biased opinion, right? But Cade McNamara was great in that game, and I did yeah. not expect him to be that good. So Michigan fans should be excited about that. Honestly, a lot of Michigan fans didn't expect him to be that good. They right. did expect the, uh, the meteoric collapse, though, so that was <laughs> <laughs> standard. So you mentioned Art. You're obviously um, with the word on Woodward. Uh, you cover the Red Wings about as intimately as anyone else you can find uh, in the media world. Just as a like broad strokes here, how different is it covering this team compared to previous seasons? And, and what's it like for you in terms of like the energy, the feel behind the team? Well, it's night and day. It's no secret that the last couple of years have been pretty brutal when it comes to, you know, the record for this team. They knew they were in a rebuild, but it doesn't make it any easier to go out there and lose a bunch of games every season. And it, it got hard, all the guys trying to talk about it, trying to stay positive going through the season. But right now, the energy that they bring, the willingness to talk and all of that is so great. And they're all really excited about not only the young players, but the veteran guys that they have. They think it's a great mix, a great group. And I, the season already just feels different. I'm sure you get that same vibe too, just from watching all of the games and, you know, listening to the post-game comments, everyone's extremely excited. And I think that's the number one thing moving forward. There's the confidence, the mentality is different. And that is something even Sam Gagne talked about um, the other day in his media availability. He just said, it, it really helps when you win games. Obviously, you know that you can do it. Your confidence grows and your mentality is different heading into each and every game. One thing that we talked about last episode was there's a this is a team that is now staying in games longer than maybe we've seen them do in the past. Do you see that same thing, that scrappy, that will to win? And oh, yeah. this is a team that's really coming together and believing that they can put those W's on the board? Yeah, it's actually with Sam Gagne. I was asking him a couple of questions. That's how he brought up the mentality thing. I asked him specifically about the Washington game in Washington. The Red Wings go down to nothing. I didn't expect them to come back. I'm not going to lie to you. Washington's great. They've got a great roster. And I didn't I didn't think the Red Wings had it in them. And I asked Sam, like, okay, so last season, this is a game that the Red Wings probably would have lost, right? So what's different? And that's when he talked about the mentality and everything. And um, it, wins like that do boost your confidence. This team is gritty. They fight to the end. And they all have each other's backs. And we saw that happen in opening night against Tampa Bay. We knew that there was something different going on. There was an energy and a competitiveness that they didn't have the last couple of seasons. So yeah, it's really good. It, it's great. I've had a lot of fun so far. So I'm hoping that continues. So we've seen uh, quite a few young players come through in one form, another, one form or another uh, with the Red Wings over the past few years, but we've not seen anything like what Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond are doing on this team. Is there a noticeable difference 
terms of the swagger and the impact that those guys kind of bring to the team and onto the ice? Well, right. I think, I mean, we were all super excited when both of those guys were drafted, just waiting patiently for them to get to Detroit. And I don't think that's any different for veteran players. They're like, oh yeah, like we've got these, these great players coming up and Lucas Raymond, most cider too, but Lucas Raymond specifically, look at how much better he's made that top line of Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi, who are very talented players, but adding a player like Lucas Raymond in there has just been incredible for them. Lucas Raymond finds Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi on like, I didn't even see the open lane and somehow he gets the puck to their stick. It's incredible what he does. And obviously he's got a knack for goal scoring too. So I think he's just a super smart player that really fits in with Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin and their skill. And then obviously Mo on the blue line, I've never seen a 20 year old have as much confidence as he does when he plays with the puck and on the blue line, you see him do spin moves and all this stuff that you would just never see from a young defenseman. And granted, he does make his mistakes. They're not huge glaring mistakes all the time, but he's still learning. But I think he does learn. That's the most important thing, right? You see him make a mistake and then you're not going to see that same mistake from him in the next game, which is super important. So this team is now transitioning. We can start to see the transition as they turn the corner in the rebuild. So first of all, I I should say congratulations to you and I both will have way more time come spring when we don't have to cover draft prospects so heavily eventually. (laughs) But this team is now entering that weird uh, gray area where it's like, okay, you're still in the rebuild, but are you trying to sell every trade deadline? And are you always talking about a player in the future as if what could they bring us back in draft picks? How hard is that to navigate just do you think from the team's perspective and in terms of the energy these guys carry? Because, you know, people are talking about, hey, Robbie Fabry, Tyler Bertuzzi, are they going to be here long term or are they going to be trade pieces? Well, hey, let me I'll be honest with you. No one can get a read on what Steve Eiserman is going to do. It's next to impossible. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I do. But I know that he values draft picks and he values building a team through the draft. I do believe that Tyler Bertuzzi and Robbie Fabry and Dylan Larkin. And I, I think those are staple guys in the organization right now. And I think you're trying to build around them and add to that. And that's not to say if the right offer was on the table that it couldn't happen. I, I don't know if anyone's exactly untouchable, but um, I think it would have to be a really, really big offer for Steve Eisenman to trade guys like that. But when you look at um, like, I don't know, maybe like a Troy Stetcher or some of the other guys on the blue line, like they are, would definitely be up for grabs. And Steve has been very open with it about that. You build a team through the draft. He likes to, to have draft picks. He likes to have a lot of them because then those are also trade assets when you get to the draft day. So I wouldn't, um, like I said, I have no idea. I'm just talking what I think and what I have seen, um, so far with Steve Eiserman at the helm of this team. But, um, I, I think, guys like Tyler Bertuzzi and Robbie Fabry are staples, especially with the season Tyler Bertuzzi is having already. Yeah. If you had that access into Steve Eisman's mind, you could, uh, you could sell that for a healthy. Seriously, (laughs) seriously. Someone's got to get it one of these days. Eventually the day before he (laughs) retires, he'll give it all up. Um, so you have the, the, um, within your role, you have the luxury of being closer to this team than I think anyone else would would even appreciate from a fan's perspective because you you know you work as a reporter what's your read on some guys who are maybe a little bit more underappreciated not to say that they're not appreciated but you know in the shadow of everything that's happening with that top line and more insider and everything's like everything like that who do you see as having a an equally good season or, or is doing pretty well 
Well, I love the way that Philip Zadina and Michael Rasmussen are both playing. They both took big jumps in their game last year, actually. And they're not they're not flashy right now, right? Everybody wants Philip Zadina to fill the puck with nets because that's what he said, or fill the nets with pucks because that's what he said he is going to do, right? Um, he hasn't exactly done that yet, but his defensive game has gotten a lot better. He's a much better two-way player. He looks better on the power play. And well, the whole power play looks a little bit better than we saw last season, but he looks better on the power play for sure. And then Michael Rasmussen as well, same thing. He kind of figured out, oh, I'm this big, big guy. Like I, I have this body to work with. And I think he's grown into it and figured that out. And he's been playing well too. Another guy that took huge steps on the defensive end of his game. And actually today, Dylan Larkin didn't practice and Michael Rasmussen slid in to the top line with Robbie Fabry and Lucas Raymond as the centerman. So I think that says something about um, what he's been able to do. And that's not to say that's how it's going to be tomorrow. We are unsure yet of um, the status of Dylan Larkin. We'll find that out after morning skate. But the fact that Coach Blash will trust him enough to even practice on that top line, it looks like if that's a scenario, like Michael Rasmussen could go there. So I think those are two guys that definitely fly under the radar a bit. And then the Mitchell Stevens, of course, like he's had so many great blocks and he's been great on the penalty kill. He's one of those like Luke Glendening type players, right? We lost Luke Glendening um, to Dallas, but he's like that. He's in the dogfight all the time and he's a gritty player. So I think those are kind of the three guys that are underrated if you want to go with that term. I can't forget about Adam Ernie either. I always have to mention Adam Ernie. He's been great. But I don't know if he falls in that same category because he's definitely proved what he can do. Yeah. So you you mentioned Coach Blashill, and this is a question we've asked others as well. It's easy for the talking heads, and I, I mean us, but it's easy for people on the outside and fans in, in the throes of the rebuild to get really kind of angsty about certain parts of the team, whether it be the way they're drafting, you know, back in the Ken Holland days or you know, the coaching situation. And I'm not asking you to have an opinion one way or another, but how different is it for you kind of more on the inside to see what these guys go through coming into the office every day and having to kind of push through a rebuild they got to play the games even though they they, they know it's not going to be the easiest season so just wanted your perspective on that well number one I think coach Blaschel is great and I think he's the right guy for the job right now and I don't think he would be here if Steve Eiserman didn't see the same thing right he is doing a great job with these players he knows how to connect with the young talent and he is doing things like like putting Lucas Raymond on the top line, he's a 19 year old kid that just entered the NHL and he's playing on the top line. Granted, like you said, a rebuilding team, but having that trust in him and putting Mo Sider in situations that are helping him succeed, like he's a great coach for young players. And I think he's doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job with what um, he's been, what he's had to deal with the past couple of seasons. I'm sure he's pretty relieved to see things turning the corner this year too. I don't know that for sure, but I, I'm taking an educated guess there. Um, but I really like the way that they've kind of powered through it. It it was hard last season, and especially the season before that was even more difficult, I would say. And now they're starting to see the results. And I think that's also something that helps their mentality. They're like, okay, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And I think the the last kind of topic I want to get on is just the atmosphere now that fans are allowed back in the arena and yeah, it, that awesome. has to be completely. I keep saying the word electric and people are making fun of me, but it has to be it totally electric. electric, right? No, yeah. it is. It, um, I'm sure you remember the sequence in the game against Florida, uh, the last home game on Friday night, like 10 block shots. Alex and Belkovich comes up with a huge save, a stick breaks, things just. It, it was the loudest I have ever heard Little Caesars Arena. And it, it, I just can't describe what it's like. Maybe we appreciate it a little bit more this year, too, since last year it was like crickets with nobody in the building but mm -hmm. it was 
it was amazing. And I think they feed off that energy. They being the team feeds off the energy of the crowd too. And it, it's been incredible. And they have said that it's been incredible. Coach Blaschel said it's felt like a playoff game a couple of times at little Caesars arena, which is just like, we're not anywhere near that yet. And it's great to see the fans getting back behind this team and seeing the, the progress that we see. Yeah. Watching Tyler Bertuzzi's like just completely primal, like I'll run through a brick wall for this guy. So he's <laughs> after the goal is I'm, I'm sitting here watching like, my TV. Slow down, slow down. Don't hit him too hard. Like we don't, we don't want injuries on Sully's. That would be terrible. Yeah. It's very Bobby Orr. Yeah. No. It's um, so funny. Yeah. It, and it, it's the atmosphere is incredible. I think the first playoff game back is going to be, it's going to all feel worth it. Right. Oh yeah. It, it already does. Like I said, it feels, it, it's great to have fans back in the building. And I think that is in part due to realizing what it's like without fans and what they meant to the team. So it's been great so far this season. The crowds have been awesome. Everyone's having such a good time being back. Well, speaking of crowds, um, November 13th is the game against Montreal and it's also winged wheel podcast night at the LCA. So we'll be doing an event there. So, um, I know we're having people come through. Ken's going to come through, uh, we think Mick's going to come through as well. So if you're around, Daniela, come say hi. I think the listeners of the podcast would love to. Uh, to oh, say yes, hi the I show. would love to. I would love to. I'll definitely make sure I stop in. Awesome. All right, folks, Daniela Bruce, uh, Daniela Bruce underscore on Twitter and Instagram. I think you have the same handle. Perfect. I do. And some for some reason, there's another Daniela Bruce out there that took just Daniela Bruce. So well, we'll yeah. get her someday. But for now, yeah, uh, make right? sure you follow Daniela on social. Daniela, thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to the next time we can do this. And I promise you, we will not ghost you for that long. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. I, I believe thank you this time. So don't let me down. But thank you for having me. It's, it's great. Thanks again. Take care. What do you want? <laughs> I feel like teacher at the front of the room where instead of yelling, they just wait and they see how many kids look up and realize what's happening first. I hate it. I need you to know. I you hate need it. to get the dad look down. That's, that's I can't. Trick. It comes with the baby. I'm sure. But I it's don't. just your normal face, but you just like don't fucking move. Just. Oh, you want to know something really funny? Uh, someone mentioned. So you're already uncomfortable. It works. <laughs> yeah, I did look away from you. Someone talked to me. They're like. You know, Evan would get way less shit if uh, his face just, like, if he looked more engaged. Like, he just looks like he wants to die, like, being on the podcast. That has like, nothing to do with the podcast. Yeah. That's just normal. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to say this, but that's how the guy looks. <laughs> I'm I'm assuming Evan saves all of his smiles for the golf course, but you don't. I don't smile on the yeah. golf course. They pointed me, actually, to a timestamp on the episode where you were, like, engaging with the conversation, but your face is like this. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Evan's normal face. Yeah, you could be telling Evan the happiest moment of your life. And I'm it could in be power saving mode at all times. <laughs> You're like, uh, but with no power. Screen brightness. Yeah, oh, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Brad was showing us earlier today um, something on his phone. And I was, the man uses no, the man uses so little screen brightness, you think he pays a dollar per hour to have, like, uh, to charge his phone. He's doing his part for global warming. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. Charges yeah. his phone way You're less welcome. than the rest of us. You're all selfish pricks. Stop climate change. Don't turn your screen brightness up. Also, I can't. I can only charge my phone in one location on planet Earth right now. So, oh, because your charging port doesn't work. Yeah, so Here's... I can only use my wireless charger that I've got plugged <laughs> in at home. Such a weirdo. I, I would buy more, but that seemed like I'd have to go to the store, and that just seems inconvenient. That's all thing. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> Uh, we appreciate Danielle Bruce coming onto the show. Always good chatting and happy we were finally able to make that work. Um, she's a good friend for being patient with us. Um, okay. 
A note that I've had on my list for a couple episodes now at the very least and completely forgot to bring it up. Remember when we were talking about Danny DeKaiser's weight and we were like, there's no way it's that low? It's that low. Okay. He actually- I think he's always had a, I won't say an issue, but he's always struggled to like bulk up. Yeah. He's struggled to put on weight. Um, he has- Not me. No. <laughs> no, Danny, you need some help? I'll make a deal. I'll throw some of my weight. To Danny DeKaiser. I can donate at least a few pounds. Yeah. I'll I'll, ra- I'll race Danny to 25 and I can I'll put a sizable bet on myself. <laughs> um he yeah, he's he's just uh the numbers are accurate. So the the numbers that are done at the start of the season, they're they're pretty legit. So he a- he actually does weigh about a buck 85, I think it was. And a lot I'm of a guy, bu- a lot of guys lose weight throughout the season too because oh, they're yeah. going as heavy in the weight room and whatnot. Cuz you can't I actually remember reading a, a full uh, story on Tyler Sagan has a big, big issue with that because he's like, he'll put on a ton of weight in the offseason, get up to about 12, 13% body fat. By the end of the season, he's like down to three or four. He's like, I can't keep the weight on. Yeah. Like at all. Man, that's got to be brutal. Yeah. Anyhow. Okay. Uh, Jack Eichel. Thank you, Brad, again for shaking this news loose. Just before we started recording, uh, an hour or two before, Kevin Weeks tweeted out that he believes um, the NHL or the sorry the Calgary Flames offer includes uh, Kachuk, an upcoming first round pick, a former first round pick, which could be many Calgary Flames, and two prospects. So we know that they well know. Emily Kaplan reported that the uh, the Sabers are at the one yard line with both the Flames and the Knights. We'll talk about the offer in a second. The way it was released with so much detail, which we never get in NHL trades. Was this an intentional leak to push Vegas? A thousand percent. Yeah. This was 100% posturing and trying to ramp up the price, which is smart if that's what they're doing. The only way he gets burned is if Tree Living gets angry and goes, okay, offers off the table, screw you. Which generally in trades involving players of Jack Eichel's caliber, pettiness doesn't play a factor. If this was like uh, for a third line guy... GMs would be like, no, you screwed with me. You're done. Like, I'm not making the trade now, but this is too sizable for that to happen. Um, it is exceptionally hard to not say Keith Kachuk when I read that name. Brady? Matthew. Matt? Matthew, yeah. Because they, well, Calgary would love to trade Brady Kachuk because then they can just say, are you just trying to mess me up? Yes. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, it's Matthew Kachuk. But growing up with Keith Kachuk playing, well, my brain, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel? Um, the only reason on this planet Earth, the only reasons on this planet Earth for Kevin Adams to not jump at that deal are for an unreal Vegas offer. Like if this whole Shea Theodore, Peyton Krebs plus rumor is real, or there's some other nuances that we don't know about. Because um, that Calgary offer is insane. Well, a big sticking point, and I want to say it was Friedman reported this uh Maybe over a week ago now because time in these Eichel rumors is a flat circle. But um, Buffalo's not willing to retain money. Vegas and Calgary are both within, I think, a mil and a half of the salary cap. So even Matthew Kachuk's $7 million contract coming off the books is not enough to get that trade done. They will have to shed more contracts, salary, yada, yada, yada. 
And if the other players moving are young players on, like, if it's a former first round pick on an ELC and the other players are picks and prospects, you're not moving out cap space there. So that could be a sticking point because maybe the offer is so high because Lucic is attached. Yeah. And Buffalo doesn't want to take that back or, or there could be something like that, right? Um, same with Vegas. They're in an even worse cap situation. And I don't think Theodore makes as much as Matthew Kachuk. So that makes that even more complicated. So there's a lot of money up in the air where a lot of it doesn't work at the moment. So that that's probably the more I think about it, the likely sticking point right now beyond value. It's a good position to be in. I'm really impressed that um, that Kevin Adams was able to push it to this point because coming this long and then seeing Matthew Kachuk's name even in the mix, I'm like, I thought it was too far gone to get any kind of serious return. Yeah, this this was the June return. That's why it doesn't seem real, right? You're almost you're almost too skeptical. Like, of it. why would you not take that deal? Like, regard like Vegas, I'm sure could give you something very good, but like that seems. That that's a lot. That's again without knowing the other conditions. Like Brad said, what if they're asking to, for you to take like Lucic and it's like the biggest bum that they. Anyways, um, you don't know, but yeah, that is a lot. Krebs and Theodore makes me pause though. I would I would pause for that too. Kachuk's walking to free agency after one more season, so you have to be certain you're going to sign him. Maybe they just no. can't get that guarantee. They don't need to be certain to sign him because if they don't. More future assets at the trade deadline. Yeah, that's true. They they can flip Kachuk. They they said their start has given them pause, though. They won't, might want a player now because they're not as terrible as thought, which is the wrong mentality to take in a Jack Eichel trade. I agree. Yeah. Don't worry. But I wouldn't be concerned about the Kachuk contract situation if I'm the Sabres because if I'm the Sabres, I understand I'm in a rebuild in the very early stages of it again. So if you can flip Kachuk for let's say two or three big pieces at the trade deadline, that's another win. Imagine getting like taking that Calgary offer and then flipping Kachuk for another haul. Like he comes in Buffalo would it would be the shortest first round draft of all time because Buffalo would just have all the picks and uh, just yeah. stand up at the board. Kevin yeah. Adams walks up there, says out like eighteen names, and then just the other teams go, You guys can take these four. They're like, <laughs> they're like, in what order, Kevin? He's like, I don't care. I don't care. Who do you want? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Whatever we put there, Jersey. He, he just puts up a list of the top 32 prospects and goes, we're protecting these 18. You guys pick amongst the rest. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new age draft. It's like a messed up like fantasy auction draft system. Yeah. <laughs> Buffalo has a point system they're allowed to add up to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how it turns out. Um, I'm hoping this doesn't go too much longer. I'm just worried for the dude, like for Eichel. Like. Guy needs surgery. Yeah. He's still getting paid, right? Yeah. Uh, oh. They oh. Ha- they haven't suspended him. They haven't done any of that contract. Because so, yeah. he failed his he's on. He'd be on LTIR right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, oh, They do. What a gig. They are, <laughs> they are in a territory where, and I don't think they'll do this because I think the grievance. Actually, depending where they are relative to the cap, he might not even be on LTIR. They might need him to get to the floor. Um. But they do have options. Like, they have options to suspend. The team's rules on, like, suspending. Like, Blashell was saying, oh, we're not going to announce whether or not we suspend Bertuzzi. I'm like, can you do that? Like, can you not make that Jack public? Jack Eichel is on injured reserve. Yeah. He is? Okay. There you go. Anyhow, hope it doesn't take too much longer. Brad might actually weep before 
It's and, one of those things that you were super excited for. You're like, oh my god, I can't believe a player like Jack Eichel could get could get traded. Now it's like, please just let this end. I know. I'm over it. Yeah. And then we'll have to talk about it for another 20 minutes at some point. Can you imagine though, Buffalo trades for a player that makes them just good enough to not be in the Shane Wright mix, but not really be a playoff team, and they just screw up their chances when they could have just they had a draft 12th. pick. Yeah. Sounds something exactly like something Buffalo would do. Yeah. Well, I mean, they want to shorten their rebuild to only another 10 or 12 years. <laughs> no, they just want to be Minnesota. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know what there is to cover about this this Chicago situation. Um, Gary Bettman is a robot who completely lacks human emotion, and that pretty much sums up his entire press conference. He's a lawyer. I understand that he went in there. And legally, there was probably a lot of things he didn't want to say, couldn't say, that could get him in legal trouble. Um, I don't accept that as an excuse for his, oh, it's full, not. For his full press conference. Because there, there were some very obvious things he could have said that would have not held him legally liable for anything that he just chose not to. He didn't have to freeze Rick Westhead out no. of the questions until Pierre Lebrun had to kind of go, him. hey, you know. The guy who broke this story we're talking about maybe let him talk, to which Rick West had actually lobbed Gary Bettman a softball and said, hey, John Doe number two, the other assault victim, you guys want to help cover some therapy for him or something? And Gary Bettman went, essentially, nah. What do you say? They were they didn't, they didn't know all the facts. We b- Bull, we know all the facts. It Brad Aldridge went to jail for that one. It went through the court of law, and the court of law determined guilty oh my god you guys and your facts like well i don't know what else batman could not like because i've been a batman apologist for a while because people misunderstood what he is because he's not the guy who's quote unquote in control of the nhl yada yada he is the front for the owners the owners are in control of the nhl and he does whatever the hell they tell him and to this point in his career everything he has done has been in to the benefit of the owners so i go yeah i a lot of things that they did sucked and I hated, but I get why he was doing it because that's his job. This is the first time I went, no, screw this guy. Like, this was a failure on him and him alone. And Bill Daly, but I think there's space to come out and say, yeah, there's only so much I can say in terms of I will promise this kind of reward or I will say these words, which will. In active litigation, because the NHL and the Chicago Blackhawks are still in multiple different pieces of active litigation against them, I understand coming in and being limited. I do agree with you, Brad, that this was a bridge too far. I thought there was... It's not even that you... A lack of compassion. It was... This is a this is an extreme situation, and this should be... Again, I, I keep jumping back to that Patreon question we got a couple episodes again. Is this a moment for the NHL? And is this where they, they really finally stamp this out? And I cannot feel anything but uninspired by that press conference after watching it to think, yeah, this won't happen again. Like, I, I, I have no confidence that the NHL is going to do anything other than protect itself, which, okay, yeah, the organization, that's his role and that's the lawyer's role. And okay, whatever, there's procedures you have to go through. All that shit. That's always going to be the case. Whether or not we like it, that's life. Okay. You can still be compassionate and you can still say definitively that sexual assault 
and what happened in multiple cases and you know either directly involving an NHL player or as a as a result of the actions of an NHL team and what they did you can say yes that is bad we are going to stop this from happening we are sorry here's where we failed here's how we're going to do better if they're going to go in and be so granular and nuanced as to say, yeah, Kevin Sheveldayoff is an assistant general manager, but he's a minor part of that decision-making team. Reading the full explanation, I'm not sure I necessarily agree, but okay, whatever. But if you are going to take that tack, then you also have to come out and lead the way to make the change. And right now, it looks like the NHL is only interested in protecting itself and and the Chicago Blackhawks. I get it. There's there's a lot coming the Blackhawks' way in terms of settlements. They are going to be paying out the wazoo for that, and the NHL doesn't want to like actually sink the team. But holy shit, do I feel shitty about this whole thing? Well, I forget who asked it. Someone mentioned something like, "Hey, if." You guys were made aware of this in December and the Hawks told you there's no merit to these allegations. Um, And it turned out there was a whole hell of a lot of merit to those allegations. Do you not hold them accountable for that? And then someone asked, um, hey, you find the Coyotes the same amount of money plus two draft picks, two very important draft picks for fitness testing prospects. You find the New Jersey Devils more for making Ilya Kovalchuk's contract too weird. You how how can you justify this punishment for the Hawks, which is objectively lower than those two things? And then Batsman's answer were, well, it's different circumstances. Yes, Gary. That's why we're asking the question. We understand these are three very different circumstances, and we think the other two are far less severe than this one. So could you please explain? And he didn't. He just said, no, these are different circumstances. And it was such a cop-out, lost answer. You could see he had no good answer to that. And um, that was a pretty good summary of his entire presser. No emotion, no empathy, no good answers. I will say I'm not interested at all in the whole fire Gary Bettman thing because I think the role of commissioner will always exist this way. Not that, you know, not, not that I'm sitting here and saying it would be a, a wrong decision for Gary Bettman to go, but I think the role of commissioner is there to protect the owners and they'll always just bring in another lawyer and that's what we're going to get. He is not equipped, nor is he the appropriate person, human being, to be doing those kinds of things. Um, if the NHL had any sense of how to present itself properly and not trip over its own feet, which... It doesn't, (laughs) Um, as we know from, you know, watching the NHL at all, they would have before that press conference said, done a run through and said, yeah, okay, maybe not Gary. Let's get a spokesperson up there or let's get a representative or let's get someone with weight behind them, but who can speak at a more human level and, you know, do the dance we need to do legally, but not completely alienate people who are very upset and hurt and angry and, you know. Not to mention what it's doing to the actual victims directly involved or who have directly been involved in previous cases with the NHL. (sighs) Small solace, small, tiny, like it does not matter in the grand scheme of what happened to um, Kyle or anyone else, but tiny solace. Uh, They X'd out Brad Aldrich's name off the cup. That'll show him. Rick West had made a good point. 
the person who um, essentially like emotionally and verbally tormented um, Kyle after everything happened, their name's still in the cup because we don't know who they are. Names all the people who covered it up are still in the cup. Yep. I'm happy this isn't going away. I'll say that. Um, We got a couple messages from people after last episode where we kind of talked about how this is it's tough to cover in a way where we feel like we did it justice and uh, we appreciate, we really appreciate your kind words and your messages. So um, sometimes we have a hard time. We have a hard time really understanding the, I, you could have just stopped that hard time. It made sense <laughs> yeah. for a lot of this podcast. Yeah, we do struggle. We do struggle <laughs> the whole re- left foot, right foot, and then left foot again, things still figuring that out. But um, we have a hard time knowing what like the weight of our words and it means a lot when we kind of get the affirmation that like, hey, yeah, you guys didn't completely botch that and uh, didn't make yourself look like knuckleheads. And at least I'm happy that to some degree the listeners got something or getting something out of this conversation. Um, okay. Very quickly because I didn't cover it earlier. Uh, as Movember con- continues. So we're doing uh, Movember. What's Raymond December? What's the nickname for that? Race. Dis. What's his? We need a middle name. Maybe that'll help us. It's Cornelius. That doesn't help. I actually don't know if it is, but if it was, it'd be pronounced Cornelius. I, I thought I thought his middle name was just the F word. <laughs> <laughs> why is that? Why is that funny? completely caught you off guard. <laughs> upcoming games in Movember. The Red Wings are uh, visiting Boston on Thursday night. They're visiting Buffalo on Saturday night. And then they are home to Vegas on Sunday at 6 p.m., after which we'll be recording our next episode. So stay tuned for that. All right. Overtime. Overtime, overtime, overtime. Brought to you by our Patreon supporters, who are excellent people. Patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. If you also want to be an excellent person, let's see how much we can get to today. Uh, Matt S says the Bell Center must have some voodoo in it this year. The only two games I can think of that the Wings have looked really that bad were in Montreal. The Zadina post on the 513 summed it up. Not having Lark and Bertuzzi really shows. Hopefully the Wings turn the tables on the Habs when we're there on the 13th. Finally, putting my hat in the ring for Wings money on the board. $1 for every cider point in Raymond Goal. $50 if either win the Calder. I hope to donate at least $120 from those. Keep up the good work as always. Dub Dubs and Matt, thank you so much for your support. Josh Brink says, will the Coyotes win a single game this year? They might be the worst looking team I've seen in a long time. They want to make sure Shane Wright ends up in Arizona at all costs. And the rest of the 2022 draft. Bill Knight, yeah. All of it. They're not – them and Buffalo are going to own the entire draft by the time it rolls around. Uh, Bill Nye the Thigh Guy says, hey, Dub Dub Boys, uh, we are bound to get dumped on, but it just had to be Montreal. We're still closer to a cup than them anyways. Uh, when we meet, should we start with our username? My mom is going with me to the meetup, and I just realized it's going to be real awkward if I have to explain why I chose Bill Nye the Thigh Guy. Yep. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. Oh, Ticket holders for the meetup. Keep an eye out. Email coming soon. Details. Signed and sealed. Sorted. Check your inboxes. Soon. David P. says, in honor of November and not being able to grow decent facial hair myself, here's a question. What are the top five worst playoff beards slash facial hair to raise the cup? Crosby. Crosby. Crosby is one through three and Jonathan Taze is four and five. Yeah. 
Crosby's was hilarious. I mean, no one's mad at the guy, but it was bad, especially early in his career. Woof. Yeah, he's the one NHL player I can confidently grow a better beard than, and that's really saying something. Connor Dukes says, I just wanted to say I love watching this team. It's going to be great watching them grow together. Side brag, Darren McCarty helped me propose to my now wife. Huh, that's awesome. Dope. Side, side note, do you guys think Kosa is going to be our number one guy eventually? Yes. We we picked him 15th overall. Uh, I don't say this lightly when I say he better be. Uh, goalie of the month in the WHL. 943 save percentage? Yep. Winged wheels and steering wheels says I was hammered on Broadway in Nashville Sunday when I saw a random guy wearing an Iserman jersey. So I ran that way and yelled, go Red Wings, and he yelled it back. Wings fans are the best. Great times. Nashville's fun. Ben Barron uh, says, howdy. Well, the good news is that we're saving our beat Montreal energy for November 13th. The other great news is that uh, EMU football is now bowl eligible with their win over Toledo last night. And I get to go to the bowl game. Hashtag Idaho or bust. Um, I know it's EMU, but I read it at, that as EMU. Um, Greg P says, I commented before the start of the season and asked if Raymond was going to make the team. And to that, you said, eh, probably not past nine games. Eat crow. If there's anything you'd love to be wrong about, that has to be it. Thanks for all the hard work, boys. Yes. Yep. That it was like the first few preseason games, we were like, huh. And then the next few, we were like, huh. And then the first few regular season games were like, oh, okay, yeah, this is happening. <laughs> this is real. Uh, Evan Hart says, hey, longtime listener, first time patron. Evan, thank you so much for your support and welcome to the Dub Dub Club. Uh, been listening since shortly after the Mo draft and now have a big boy job. So I decided to support. We appreciate that, man. Um, I think the Wings will finish somewhere between 20 and 23 this year. What do you think? Uh, and is there any chance the hockey gods bless us with draft lottery luck? No. I think the only way the Red Wings ever win the lottery is if they finish too close to the playoffs. Because that's just how that stupid And then we'll works. pick, like, what would that be, fifth? Because you can oh, only move up 10 spots? Rule, yeah. Yeah, that's... No, it's going to happen when we can only jump up to second. That's that's when it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, Jake Nagy says, um, seems like our biggest draft need will continue to be center. Assuming Shane Wright goes first, rank these other 2022 center prospects. Lambert... Geeky, Savoy, Cooley, Nazar. I will go Savoy, Cooley. Who is the other one? It was Geeky, Nazar, and who? Lambert. Yeah. So Savoy, Cooley, Lambert, Geeky, Nazar. Not trending well for Lambert right now, eh? The underlying numbers are still good. He's shooting like 4% this year. He should try shooting better. Um, Babe Landeskog says, uh, not sure if you guys corrupted Steve Dangle, but in his LFR for the Wings game, he was surprisingly praiseworthy to the Wings, especially Valeno and Zadina. I think that says a lot when a vocal fan of a divisional original six rival sees and says how this team is coming together. We're not going to win every game uh, and shutout losses hurt a little bit more, but we're getting better steadily. Trust in our Wings and the Iser plan. Also hoping whatever Dylan Larkin is going through, he and his family is okay. The Upsider says, has anyone found out how to get a Cider Rogla jersey in the States? That's all I want in my life. Large might be able to help you out with that because he, I think he's helped out with a couple people with where to find that because you'll have to source it from Sweden. DJ Denton says, starting to think more about Verona and hoping his recovery happens sooner. Want to see him playing with these guys. Go green, you knobs. Um, 
Yeah, and I think the test is going to be like if it's Bertuzzi can't play a game, I think you slot Verona in there right away and see how he fits in with that top line chemistry, right? I want him with Zadina. All right. It's going to be weird having Raymond center a line, but sure. Fine. <laughs> he can do it. Matthew Lynch says, conspiracy theory. When Eisman was contacted by the NHL to give Lucas Raymond rookie of the month, he asked the NHL to make it Cider instead, despite Lucas being the clear winner. Stevie Y wants Cider confident and Lucas hungry. This Scotty Bowman method used on Stevie. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I think the only person who cares less about that award than most cider right now is probably Steve Eisman. Uh, Frying Pan Murderer says, damn, I'm getting my shit kicked in when it comes to fantasy hockey. Trying to write the shit before I scream. Who's your best player you've ever picked up in fantasy that surprised you? Batherson four point night or Anderson elite week for me. Um, two years ago in the WWP fantasy league, you clowns let me get Mitch Martyr in the fourth round. I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember, remember anything, so that's fair. I yeah, think I picked up. I got dry settle in the second, Marner in the fourth. I was running a train on everybody until I forgot to set my lineup for the second half of the season. I've picked up Robin Leonard a few times when he's like either won a starting job or like was splitting time and then eventually got the job. And that goalies in fantasy make the biggest difference. Kyle Kragut says, if you were a coach in the NHL, but you uh, would you want this hypothetical player in your team? A forward who will score every shift he plays, but 50% of the time it's an own goal. That's it. No. That's a wash. Yeah. To be fair, that's an upgrade on half the roster. <laughs> but no. No. Uh, join the Dark Sider says, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. How long do you think Valeno stays up and where does he slot in the lineup when Bert and D-Boss are back? Uh, first line Grand Rapids. Yeah. <laughs> I not where I would put him, but that's probably what happens. I mean, let's see how the next however long he's up goes, like the game or two or whatever it might be. Um, but unless he seriously overperforms, I I agree. He's going to end up back in Grand Rapids. Cody Stark says trivia. Um, I watched this game live when I was 15 uh, in the shootout against Nashville, where we always see the Datsuk goal highlight, you know, the one where Volkun ends up in the concession stand. Who else scored in the shootout for the Wings and ended up going one for one, 100% in career shootout attempts? What what year was that? Um, Don't know. But it was the year Datsuk. Decoy. So that was somewhere between 06 and 08, I think. Uh, or 05 and 08, I should say. One for one in their career. I... Do you have the answer, Ryan? Yeah, he replied with the answers. Oh. Uh, um, one for one, 100% in career shootout attempts. Bonus question, which Hall of Famer ended up going top shelf for the Predators on Manny Legacy in the same shootout? Hall, okay, the Hall of Famer, I, I've i got it narrowed down to two. Starts with a P, first name. Okay. Just can't figure out which one. <laughs> Patrick Eves? Is that one? You know, he scored four in Nashville. Oh, four Nashville. Na- the Hall of Famer went roof for Nashville. Oh. And the Red Wings player went one for one, which for, on his career in the shootout. I feel like this is 06, 07. So I'm going to go Peter Forsberg. Okay. And. <sighs> Chris Draper. Paul Korea. That was the other P. It was, it was Forsberg or Korea. I knew it was one of the two. 
Steve Eiserman. That was his only. Wow. Yeah. So I'm not going to double check. So Cody, if you're lying, congrats. But yeah, apparently that's it. Uh, Dance Giovanni Dance has got to catch a Kingston Frontenac's game in person on the weekend. Um, and obviously my attention was on Shane Wright, but I have to say I was pretty underwhelmed. You can tell me, uh, you can tell he has that it factor on the power play when he had time to show his poise, IQ and shot, but on five on five, he wasn't that noticeable. He's fifth on his team in scoring, and I had to remind myself he's still playing with people up to three years older than him, but I was just left expecting a bit more. It's early, but what level of other first overalls would you compare him compare him to? I'm leaning into that he sure to haul range. Oh, when he was coming out of um, his last season, what he did at the U18s, and even did in his 15-year-old year, this start is likely more a product of him not playing last year like outside of the u18s he did not play competitive hockey last year because he the ohl didn't play and he chose not to go overseas i had him as a first overall pick like in the tier just below like matthews like mcdavid matthews mckinnon and then the next tier would be right like i would have him ahead of Lafreniere, Darlene, Hughes, like he was, he's a special, special, special player. So I'm optimistic that this slow start is just a product of not really playing competitive hockey for 16 months. Mm-hmm. Um, cause yeah, he w- his 15 year old year was like he outproduced McDavid. So it's not unheard of for a player to have like unreal junior numbers and then just fall off, right? Like, yep. It does happen, so... It does, but not at 15. Can you imagine he doesn't end up going first overall? Like, like I would put him, if we're talking past, like, former first overall picks and we go back, like, 10 to 15 years, I would have Shane Wright about on par with Tavares. He's he's not a what McKinnon, McDavid, Crosby turned out to be, but if you told me right now Shane Wright's career, NHL career would mirror Tavares's, I'd go, yeah, that sounds about right. No okay. pun intended. Um, Dustin Zimmerman says, just want to say I'm a huge fan of the pod and my days are always marginally better when I get to hear you three endlessly bicker. Oh, we do bring <laughs> some good into the world. Uh, anyways, I've been a dedicated Red Wings fan since my dad introduced me to them as a young boy. Luckily, I was born in 91, so my formative years were saturated with plenty of wins. These days, we still talk on the phone almost every day. 90% of the conversation is always Wings focused. And thanks to you guys, I have much more knowledge and insight. Never stop. See you at the LCA on the 13th. Let's go Red Wings, baby. Uh, Dustin, that is awesome to hear. Um, and thank you so much for the support. Say hi to your dad. Say hi to your father for me. I don't know why I said that. Say hi to your mother for me. You know, the Mark Wahlberg thing? No. Please, either of you? No. Now I'm so embarrassing I know my... what it is. It was just bad. Now I'm embarrassing myself on a podcast. Can you imagine? First time ever. Hanali says, <laughs> Mo for Calder, Raymond keeping it interesting. I'm here for Valeno staying up. We really miss Bert when he isn't playing, and I was wondering how the guys in the room are taking that when he doesn't travel. At some point, are we going to hear that the players in the room are upset with him for not getting vaccinated? Just wondering your thoughts. Um, I would say it's more likely than not that, yeah, they get pretty pissed about it. Now, hockey players get over things pretty quickly. Uh, it takes one winning streak to heal all wounds. But yeah, when you go into Montreal twice, get caved twice, and Bertuzzi's there for neither, that it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Will we hear about it? Almost oh. definitely zero. <laughs> yeah, when was the last time information leaked out of Detroit? It doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, loaded statement. Or like a, it's a statement of some unfortunate context, but a lot of stuff stays in the room 
And that's what hockey and hockey players are notorious for. Um, I actually don't care to speculate on what these guys think about it. I don't know their personal relationships. Bert's obviously very, very popular with the team. He and Larkin are, you know, as far as we can tell, among best friends. So I don't know. I know we talked about it when this all initially came out. It's like knowing that he's not going to play in nine games and he's one of your best players. Yeah. If, if this team was much better, if like this team was a playoff team, this would be a storyline that wouldn't go away because it's, you're talking points on the board when you want to compete for a cup. That's Um, why Larkin, that's per, that's Larkin's personal reasons. He got arrested trying to smuggle Bertuzzi over the border. (laughs) It's my dog. No, I promise. <laughs> Look at all the hair. <laughs> uh, side note, I tried to get tickets here in Washington to see the Kraken Red Wings in March, but the cheapest ticket is 250 bones. Woof. What is that, Toronto? Oh, my God. Uh, anyways, I got the I got tickets to see them in Vancouver. You know your tickets are bad when Vancouver is the cheaper option. Jeez. Uh, Aaron Walkowiak is uh, a new patron, so welcome, Aaron, to the Dub Dub Club. Says, uh, here finally, a buddy of mine that I met randomly at Joe Lewis um, in 2015 uh, had worked for Violent Gentleman, where he was the only Wings fan in a warehouse full of Ducks fans. I think we know your friend. I think uh, he sent us some stuff before. Uh, flew out to Colorado, where I now live, to catch the outdoor game at Coors Field with me. We used to call one another and talk trades and uh, free agent signings all the time. He knew about things uh, way sooner than some of my best friends who are massive wing nuts, and that's when he introduced me to the pod, and I've been hooked ever since. Thanks for the content you guys bring. Can't wait for this team's future and what opportunities it'll bring for the Dub Dub Club. Oh, and I'm also a barber, so I very much enjoyed the intro the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping this podcast fails soon, so I don't... Um, <laughs> you don't see the, the the reality of aging on camera over time. Uh, Matt says Brad noted on Twitter that Detroit should set aside a similar amount of money from Mo Sider's contract to what Adam Fox just got. How soon is too soon to start considering long-term deals for Sider and Raymond? Do you think Stevie would wait until the ELCs end or try to sign them early? Well, he can't sign them till a year out from the expiry of those contracts. You are not allowed to extend a player until they are within a year of their current contract expiring. That being said, in terms of planning, yeah, the cap doesn't matter for the next three years for the Red Wings like realistically so they should be planning what their salary cap looks like after that so they probably already got a rough idea if they want to bridge cider or raymond or go long term out of the gate what that dollar figure is roughly going to look like like planning for their next contracts is more important than planning for bertuzzi or larkin's next contract even though those are up first it does seem to be the case when you have a star borderline superstar rfa you just do it as quick as possible mm-hmm. which I mean, it's something that Prashanth talked about. It's something that we've talked about in the past. It's not necessarily a bad thing to burn these ELC years early because then you get their next contract sooner. Again, we're 10, 11 games in by the time we listen to this into their careers. Um, Rookies who are star or future superstar players often have a drop off at some point through their first season because it is tough and they have not played. They've not had this kind of physical strain on their bodies ever. So... I'm still wondering where they land in terms of that value. I hesitate to say Cider is going to get Adam Fox money. He might. I'm not ruling it out. Um, but yeah, there's going to be slumps. Like Lucas, I was actually looking it up for Lucas Raymond because I was curious. I don't think he's played more than 30 
seven games with a single team in a year. Like this year is going to is almost going to be double what a normal season was for him previously. Playing like 15 to 20 minutes a night. Yeah. Siders playing north of 25 some nights. Yeah. Raymond's going to get gassed and have like a monumental uh, cold streak at some point this year because it almost always happens to players in that situation. And yeah, Sider has to play with the Kaiser. There's going to be some bad nights. <laughs> um, Colin Larkins says, on a scale of one to 10, how many plies of toilet paper is Rasmussen, bud? Harry Perry says, happy to see Mo get recognition. He so richly deserves. The Wings love of all things European. Maybe Stevie should look at drafting Mo's brother. Dixon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That brings up a very funny story that is related to this topic. But it's inappropriate. Oh, okay. I was going to say, is this golf course talk? Uh, Oh, yeah. God, no. Jimmy Dixkin. Anyways, what? Uh, Jeremy Dahl says, hey, guys, love all the content you provide. I'm not on Twitter, but I do read your tweets after every game. Uh, appreciate I'm the support, Jeremy. Very sorry for that. I am so sorry. I'm Even Evans? My part. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so look forward and look so forward to each podcast. So question for you, with all this nonsense from Chicago, how would you reconcile as a fan of that franchise? You can't. You just kind of have to live with it. I can I can appreciate it's complicated. It's so complicated because I, I can truly appreciate who people who say in good faith, I just watch hockey as an escape. Sport is culture. It is just as much culture as art or music or anything else. And it is also an escape, like a mindless escape for people. It, it exists on that spectrum. Um but that doesn't mean that people are wrong for having an emotional reaction or, you know, an emotional response to this because it's upsetting. Like part of culture is you ha- you put a lot of faith and you put a lot of trust and time and money and, and emotional investment into these teams and to know that it's not that just they did something politically that you didn't like. That's, like, that's not what this is, right? And there's been plenty of opportunities for people to to get in the ring on that over the past however many years. This is something different. and. The honest answer is I don't know. If this was a Red Wings thing, I don't know how I'd reconcile it. Everyone's different. Not everyone's going to have the same response, I suppose. Chicago's got to do a lot of rebuilding of trust with their own fan base. and It'll take a long, long time and not just months. Like It will be decades until the team's turned over and things are concluded. And new people who come in try and right the wrongs. Like, it will take a long time. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned before, I'm new to hockey. Is Detroit a good franchise that treats people well? Yeah, I mean, we've not seen any of this. Like it- Almost to a fault in previous regimes. <laughs> Um, I know there's a great story of Mr. I paying for Rosa Parks' rent, but they also probably let Mike Babcock be, well... <laughs> a cock to the players uh anyways thanks for the content and insight guys you're always excellent p.s what the hell are you doing with your left hand in the youtube feed brad have you seen this yeah oh yeah (laughs) so good (laughs) oh i every explanation i have just sounds dirtier than the actual so i'm just gonna i'm gonna let imaginations run wild wish you wouldn't poyo says ryan what is your favorite arctic monkey monkeys album Oh, it's cheap, but it has to be AM for me. I love that album. Uh, my go-to is whatever people say I am, that is what I'm not. Also a good one. 
The ghost of DDK's knees says, what are each of your favorite all-time wings nicknames? Mine was always the demolition man for our boy Holmstrom. Um, by this point, I'm sure Evan is already tuned out. So wake him up and make him answer too. Evan's tuned in. He just ch- closed his <laughs> laptop lid. It's all done on there. Um, Mr. Hockey? No, yeah, that's the Dominator or something is one that I've always loved. I've always loved that for Hasek. Hasek, I've never said Hasek. I don't know why I said that now. Always liked Stevie Wonder. Did anyone really call him that? Yes, in the 90s all the time. I know you don't remember that, but yes. It's actually a line. And this is going to, for anybody who hasn't heard this before, I encourage you to look it up because it's going to sound like a lie. It's actually a line in a Don Cherry techno song. Okay. It's it almost too hard to believe. Just YouTube, Don Cherry techno song. He did a music video in the early 90s. It's somehow worse than you're imagining. Why have we never used this as the intro song? <laughs> Can't afford the list. Can't afford it. <laughs> I still I've remember heard, this. <laughs> I do hear people t- I, I do hear people say Stevie Wonder and I have, but just not as like the main nickname. It's, it, no, it wasn't his nickname, but it's just I like the way it rolled when when you were talking about it. Um Ohio State is gonna spank Michigan. Yeah, man, tell me something I don't know. Says uh first hold on, hold on. On that, I just need you to know. That on the one in a million chance Michigan wins that game, we are going to be even more insufferable than the Michigan State fans this past week. Dude, I'm still reeling from when people very rightly said Michigan fans are the Toronto Maple Leaf fans of college football. Yes, I know. So we have to live up to it and be insufferable in the very, very few windows we get. That's the kind of hurt I didn't need in my world. Um, when you guys were talking about the best wings nickname of all time, which we just did, I was hurt that you didn't mention the mule. Mule's good. Actually, mule's really good. Uh, I've also had issues with my barber. I'm so tall that she has to drop the seat all the way down so she can cut the hair on top of my head. Uh, as of late, she started charging me double because, and I quote, your hair is so thick I can barely run and comb through it. Uh, they're having fun now, aren't they? He is having a lot of that fun. It can't be real. No. Uh, Brad, what's Michigan State's current ranking? I believe they're within five of Michigan. <laughs> they're third overall. I know. Mm. They are actually within five of Michigan. Michigan's it's just, it's eight. Just, it's just the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Peace out, tree buckets, and have an eventful evening. Jeremy Brocker says, with the heavy Burt trade speculation last season, I think we missed the point behind his life decision. Uh, it was actually a life decision to continue playing for the Red Wings by tanking his trade value. Actually pretty clever. It allows him to play at his best instead of tanking his play to destroy trade value. But wouldn't that also tank his signing value? Because he has a contract coming up in not too long. Yep. So I don't really – I know people have said that and they're joking, but some people – I, I can't buy that. You know, far a few million dollars go in, goes in Sudbury. Oh, boy. So, buy the rest of the mountain. It's a town mayor. He could buy that whole nickel. C-Nod says, I don't think anyone is surprised uh, without three of our top players, Larks, Bertuzzi, and Verana. We're a bottom-dwelling team, and that's what we saw yesterday. I'm okay with that. Hopefully, everyone everyone gets back and gets going for the next game. Dungeon Master of Puppets says, Hey, Dub Dub Club, I seem to have missed the memo last week, but I'm a new patron. Happy to support where I can. Welcome, Dungeon Master of Puppets. Uh, the Red Wings are officially 0-3 in Canada, all without Bert. He really injects a ton of chemistry into the lineup. When he's there, you can count on one or two shots going in. Montreal really seems immune to us without him in the lineup. Keep cool, Gabagool. <laughs> oh, shit. Keep cool, Gabagool is a good one. 
Large, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, isn't it great watching the kids play and lose rather than watching the geriatric ward on skates play and lose? We can actually see improvement on a player-by-player basis now. I do think that the losses will come more frequently as the season goes on, but man, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, like it, it wasn't a perfect game by Cider, of course, but uh, I did like the penalty kill he had where he just like said, screw it, and uh, saw that Suzuki had the puck on the boards, so was trying to make a play with it, played aggressive, went, ran him over. The Red Wings won the puck battle, puck went out. The five on three that they didn't score on, which was super upsetting, like Cider did miss the net on that power play, which was ungood, but the way he dished the puck out, I was like, this guy is just, is serious as a power play quarterback. Like, he can do it. He has the skills to do it. Um, Ruthless and Toothless says, I'd really like to see Zadina at center. He has a skating ability, puck control, and vision. Maybe start him on the third with a transition period. He could be a well above average second center. Side note, it was me who told you guys Valeno means uh, poison in Italian. Ah, thank you. It means both poison and venom. Brad can call him Joey Venom, which also is a nice ring. Rasmussen sucks. I've had enough of it. Uh, I don't know about Zadina at center. His skill set says he should be good at center, but he's never played center, and it's a pretty big transition. So I, I would say, in theory, good idea, but that ship left port a while ago. Uh, Tony Hatcher. Yeah, Tony, a lot of comments. Ryan Dodd says, hey, winged wheel weirdos, if you could have a new commissioner, who would it be and why would it be Stevie? Oh, I would never wish that on Eisman. God, no. No, we need him in Detroit, pumping up Detroit. I don't give a shit no, about the league as a whole. Let's make Evan the new Charles commissioner. Charles Barkley. That's the only answer better than you. I need you to know that. Okay. That is a perfect answer. Uh, Josh Yelton says, what's up, fellas? Six more games until Winged Wheel podcast night at the LCA, and I couldn't be more stoked. Going to toss back definitely a few ginger ales, as Mickey Redmond would say. Question for Brad. Uh, have you ever listened to Mike Shinoda's solo music? His album Post Traumatic has some pretty good songs, and I definitely would recommend. As always, thanks for the incredible content. I love Fine. That was one of my favorite songs a couple of years ago. Um, I got into it. I never got like crazy, crazy into it, but yeah, he's got... He's got some gems in there. Uh, Richard Fitzwell says, my wife says the YouTube video is unwatchable because there's only three jerseys in the background and it's uneven. Can you add the fourth? Yes, I have the fourth. We have two options. Do we want a Red Wings away or the Red Wings Centennial Classic? Are they both white? Yeah. Then it doesn't matter. I mean, we have two of the outdoor games. It seems to fit the theme. We have the Red Wings home two outdoor games and then a red wings away would also fit the theme right yes i am not nearly as invested in this as you are well we'll let the listeners decide drake moore says quick jersey question i currently have a larkin reverse retro a zadina home and a rasmussen home i bought a blank away and i'm trying to figure out who i want to put on the back i don't want to put cider on because i want him i want to get his team germany jersey and i'm on the fence as to whether i want to put raymond I want to see if he makes the all-star game, switches his number, or even makes Team Sweden. So, my guess, my question is, should I hold off on Raymond and put Valeno or Nedeljkovic instead? I you do, do like, what makes you happy. Yeah. yeah. Who's uh, to say you can't get multiple Raymond jerseys? That's the right answer. Get Mark Stahl. <laughs> um... <laughs> Kara says, and I got it right this time, says, delayed comment, but to the person who is asking about suggestions on getting their significant other into hockey slash the Red Wings, uh, in addition to attending a game 
Uh, find them a favorite player that they can follow and look forward to watching. Zetterberg and Nyquist are what my, grew my love for this team and look at me now, totally sane and very, very normal. <laughs> P.S. On a related note, Jacob De La Rose has four points in five games. That is all. P.P.S. Go blue forever. You know who's got more than four points? Robbie Fabry. <laughs> Why are you doing that to her, man? She's just uh, trying to keep her spirits up. Because I'm a bad person at heart and when I'm miserable, everybody must be. Why are you miserable? How was Hank's birthday, by the way? Oh, it was awesome. So much fun. He's two. He's two. And officially taller than you. Yes. Speaks better than you. He was FaceTiming him, FaceTiming him earlier. I was like, oh my God. I love how he FaceTimes like, what did I say to you? Like every boomer using he FaceTime does. ever. <laughs> you get the nose up and he looks kind of confused the whole time, but he's excited about it. It's like that joke how Facebook has to take a picture now on their profile, edit profile pic button. Like some kind of madman's just going <laughs> to hammer out a picture right then and there. <laughs> yeah. Good kid. Hank, two years old. Meek. Because... Six. Huh? Yeah, no, Mika's going to be six next year? Yes. That no, is, absolutely not. Somehow Catherine knew that and I was like, that's actually insane. That's that's wicked. Like, that's messed up. I mean, I came here from her hockey practice. She's doing like kid things now. Dude, I know. <laughs> that doesn't mean it can't be crazy. Yeah. Like, and Mika in hockey practice too, or hockey games is a vibe. Like, is she tall? No. No, she's playing with... Uh, boys one year older than her so she's like the shortest kid on the ice by a mile oh so she got your height no no she's tall for her age but on the she's ice she's talking about oh yeah no she's um brad's like no she's tall she's really short compared to Shaq. well yeah. i thought we were because i was just talking about her hockey but um compared to her classmates she's probably slightly above average at okay, this point so she's what about hank how's he doing in terms he, of he's a monster he's an absolute animal that guy is going to end so many sporting careers you want to know my hot take don't put him in hockey. Well, put him in hockey. Yeah, let him play hockey, whatever. Put the money and time and effort into golf. Just have him absolutely murder that ball. Bryson. Yeah, just like yeah. fire it over the water hazard, like straight, like drive the green. Pro golfers are surprisingly very tall. Pisses me off. Every pro athlete is surprisingly. I remember going to a rat. I know it's basketball, but I, I remember <laughs> laughing my ass off this one time. I went to a Raptors game and in warmups, we were, me and Crystal were kind of chuckling about like how tiny Kyle Lowry was. And then we looked at the program and he's six foot three. <laughs> oh, that's miniature for a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a six three friend, I'd be like, how's the weather? I mean, I, uh, <clears throat> I'm i six three. Yeah. I'm six foot three. Uh, mm-hmm. Evan is six foot four and Brad is, f- uh, broke five feet last year. Congratulations, Brad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you told you this kid's a vibe. Ugh. I get I get really sad when I think of Hank because um like I mean he was born just before the pandemic and we had transitioned the podcast to the studio and so mm-hmm. we didn't see him all the time. I was like, oh wow, I'm devastated for not being there and watching him grow up. And I realized today when I FaceTimed him, he wouldn't have recognized me probably. No, probably not. Well That's uh, how babies operate. Just ruthless. They are. I'm not worth the brain space. I mean, the last time he saw you, he was like shitting himself. I mean, he still shits himself. It's just <laughs> that, that's a very <laughs> general statement. <laughs> well, uh, I'm off to cry. So thank you all so much for tuning into the Winged Wheel podcast. Uh, we're going to be back with you on Sunday after the next three games. Check out, check at, check out wingedwheelpodcast.com slash just go to wingedwheelpodcast.com. Check out the whole site. There's the shop. Uh, go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org for the live auction and details about the celebrity roast of Brett Hall. Um, 
If you haven't already, get your tickets to Wind Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA, November 13th, Detroit versus Montreal. Uh, link in the description of this episode. Um, tickets, we just added more tickets by popular demand. We ran out, we sold out, and people wanted more. So we added some more in there for you guys. Um, and info for all ticket buyers coming soon. And we'll also announce the next episode. Like to th- like to thank all of our name level sponsors on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, um, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutan and Nanaluski, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstum, DJ Denton, Frying Pan Murderer, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hanali, Hassam al Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Shea Lobsinger's number one Stan, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Ass, Babe Landeskog, Ben Barron, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, uh, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Max $1 million, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pevivar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Take care. We'll talk this weekend. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.